0: Top of the hour
1: here on Monday Crew here on College Ave Campus in New Brunswick. I'm Jack Masea, Dylan McCoy, Dennis Geisler, Chris Oconis, all here in studio. And the top of the hour here on the Monday Crew today means we have a special guest on the show his name is Aaron Brightman. If you follow Rutgers basketball, if you follow Rutgers sports in general, you know who he is. Um, he does incredible job On the Banks, you know, covering all the Rutgers sports, everything and everything, everything and anything. And, uh, yeah, he does a great job, and he was willing to come on and talk some Rutgers basketball in the midst of their incredible stretch so far to start this, uh, to end this season. So, without further ado, Aaron Brightman, can you hear me?
2: Hey Jack, how are you? Thanks for having me back.
1: No problem. Um, I'll start off the questions here, Aaron. We were talking about earlier in the show. You know, what was the re- or the reasoning as to why Rutgers just went on this has gone on this incredible run over the past couple of a uh, couple of weeks? And my reasoning was that the emergence of Paul Mulcahy has just been everything to this team. You know him; his ability to be a third option behind Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., a extra playmaker, extra scorer. He has elite footwork in the paint. He's been incredible so far these past couple weeks. That was my opinion as to why Rutgers basketball has really taken the leap over the past couple weeks. I wanted to hear your opinion on that same question, Aaron.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's certainly uh, a huge uh, factor in all of this. I, I really think you know, as a whole, you know, I think people expected them to kind of hit the ground running from day one uh, this season. Um, obviously, we didn't expect the flip ups they had. Um, but even though, you know, we had a strong veteran core coming back, they really are had to learn, kind of relearn roles. And I think the bigger point is it, Mulcahy is kind of exhibit A in that. Um, but I think that as a whole, they're all kind of adjusting to new roles. Even Ron and Geo. Uh, you know, letting the offense go through Paul versus, you know, feeling even that responsibility of, of I've always said that I think Geo Baker is better off the ball. Um, and now that they have that trust also in Mulcahy, um, but him becoming uh, I, I think a big key in his game is, is looking to score first. And I think they know he's such a great decision maker that even when he's looking to score first, He's going to find guys that are open when the defense adjusts to him. And I think it's made Rutgers that much more complicated and difficult to defend. Um, you can't just sit in on Ron Harper and uh, Gio anymore. Uh, like you said, Paul being a third uh, option. But I also think Caleb McConnell kind of really laser focused now on being that Big Ten defensive player of the year. Um, you know, he's, uh, it, I think, a less concerned with his offensive game. Not that he hasn't. I mean, he made a huge shot against Wisconsin with about nine minutes left in the game. But he's really focused on making the biggest impact on the defensive end. I think Cliff uh, Omori, uh, his development has been um, really uh, impressive throughout the year. I think you know his first 10 games, his fouls versus blocks uh, was skewed towards fouls. Now you're seeing him learning how to block shots at a much higher – he's averaged two blocks a game, I think the last uh, 12 or 13 now. He's not fouling. He's playing 30-plus minutes a night. Um, he's he's learned how to kind of fit in offensively. Uh, so I think roles in general, everyone has kind of learned where they fit and this team has figured out how the how you know really their identity. Um, and it was maybe different than people thought coming into the year. Uh, and I think they're obviously hitting their stride now. And I think they're, they're always a team that has played better for, for better or worse with their backs against the wall. And I think once they knew basically everyone had written them off, it was like, you know, it, something clicked, and and this team's internal toughness and fight uh, has, has really shown up.
0: Aaron, I think one of the most remarkable things about this team has been their free-throw shooting. You know, they have a chance to do something no Paykel team has ever done, uh, shoot above 70% from the line in a season. I think the highest they got to was 69 a few years ago. But, you know, especially in a game against Wisconsin where, you know, Rutgers got in foul trouble quickly, how important is it for them to, you know, continue getting to the line and converting their – uh chances from the charity stripe.
2: Yeah, it's a great point. I actually looked this up the other day. The last time they shot over seventy percent in a season was two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, which was Eddie Jordan's first year. So uh there were even I mean last year they shot sixty three percent from the line. So if you just think about that, you know, seven, eight point differential is, is really uh massive. And um but I always thought the potential was there, you know, Ron Harper uh, Junior has, if you look at his four years, he's jumped three or four points year after year. Geo has been consistently 75%. You know, Caleb McConnell actually was 78, nine or 78 or 79% lifetime shooter coming in to this season. He's actually struggled a bit, um, but Paul Mulkei has really improved from the foul line, and and I think it was just a matter of also those guys have to get to the line, and that really hasn't happened before. Uh really now the last 10 games, they're, they're shooting close to 80% as a team. And if you look at it, I Ron Harper Jr. is getting there at a, a very high rate. His free throw rate is one of the best in the country. And he's, he's making 80% of his free throws. He was actually making 90% in Big Ten play up until last game. So uh, the right guys needed to get to the line. And, you know, give credit to Cliff as well because he's been an upgrade from Miles Johnson last year who shot in the low 40s, which Cliff did as well. And now he's gotten over 60%. So the starters have really picked it up. And, you know, to be honest, I think they need to still get to the line more than they are. Um, But I agree. It's it's a huge plus for this team um, that they're showing the maturity at the foul line. And it's really been a a major difference in this win streak.
1: Aaron, I want to shift the focus for a second to Illinois. Uh, This is a team that, uh, you know, gave Rutgers, like in terms of margin – uh, their worst defeat of the season back in early December and obviously Rutgers could not be more of a different team now than they were in December but I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on you know, how Rutgers matches up with them now at this point in the season and specifically the matchup uh, in the paint between Kofi Coburn and Cliff Amore I guess I'm curious to see what you think of you know how that could pan out on Wednesday
2: yeah I think it's, it's a good point Chris I think you know I don't think it's a great matchup for this team. I I think Ohio State and Illinois, to me, are, you know, matchup-wise for Rutgers the the worst matchups that they've had. Obviously, they overcame it uh, last week against Ohio State. Um, And then Illinois, I mean, they've beaten them before. I think they have the confidence of knowing they've beaten them in the rack the last two years. But the last two times they played, last year in the Big Ten Tournament, and then obviously, as you said in December, you know, they, they really got blown out in both of those games. And I think, the key is uh, hoping for the adjustment that they don't try to double Kofi. I think that they did that a lot in the first meeting, and it really you know, didn't work in terms of other guys beating you. Illinois is just too talented, um, and I think they have to pick their poison, but I also think that Cliff is a lot better equipped to handle Kofi this time around, and I think that's key, but I also think, you know, you, you credit to Peichel. You've seen him kind of adjust in these last two weeks as well defensively. Um, he's you know, traditionally a man-to-man coach. He'll, he'll always stick to that, but um, he's really done a good job, I think, in the last couple of weeks of switching things up, mixing in some zone, mixing in some full-court pressure, and I think you'll see that early on with Illinois, trying to give them different looks, trying to kind of confuse Cabello and and, um, and and really try to uh, give, give Illinois something to think about. Uh, Uh, A lot different than last time where they really did just try to double Kofi and, you know, they got exposed pretty quickly, fell behind and just could never recover.
1: Aaron, I want to talk a bit about Kayla McConnell because he deserves being talked about. He's literally been the lifeblood of the defense for Rutgers. I mean, Johnny Davis was, for Johnny Davis standards, non-existent Um, on Saturday, 11 points, only 10 shots, like really not the best game for Johnny Davis. And a lot of that was due to Kayla McConnell. Um, I, I just want to hear your thoughts on, you know, how important he is to this team and also what you think his chances are for locking up that defensive player of the year.
2: Well, I think that that's a, it, it, it's kind of a two-part situation where I think Caleb McConnell, does he deserve defensive player of the year? I I think he does. I think he's proving that. Uh, obviously with the block against Ohio State and then like you said against Davis. Um, you know, the thing about Davis is he's a high-volume shooter. So the fact that he only got 10 shots was was also really low for him. But also, if you look back at it, he really didn't get an open look or easy look the whole game. There was even, I thought, you know, aside from the six steals, there was a play late where he forced Johnny Davis just to throw it out of bounds just by being there and exerting pressure. So, you know, it's more than just steals. It's more than just, you know, he even has a high block rate. But it's just the disruptiveness that he causes with everybody. Um, and, and he... It's not just that he can shut down the best player on the other team. While he's doing that, he's still able to uh, jump into passing lanes, disrupt other other uh, players, uh, and he's really everywhere. And uh, his emergence in these last uh, few weeks has really been impressive. Um, it was his goal coming into the season. I think he always had it in him. Um, you know, Do I think he deserves to win the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year? Absolutely. Do I think he will, to be honest? I don't know if he's going to beat Chase Jackson Davis, who, you know, is um, considered uh, also one of the best defensive players, um, you know, at the politics. I, I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If if Caleb McConnell continues to play at the level he is and continues to shut down the, the, the best player on the top teams in the Big Ten, he might make it pretty difficult for them not to pick him. But um, I am concerned, you know, like two years ago, Franz Wagner for Michigan, I thought, was one of the best defensive players. He didn't even make the defensive team. So, um, you know, is it political? Of course, sometimes it is. Uh, but, you know, he's doing a, a very good job of making it very difficult not to be uh, a front runner for that spot.
0: And, Aaron, just one last question. You know, I think the fans and analysts all have us in different spots when it comes to, you know, where we are in the tournament. If we're on the bubble or we're in the first four out, you know, you look at Ken Palm, you look at Nett. They have us out but you talk to fans, you talk to experts, they have us on the bubble. We just wanted to ask you what do you think is a tournament level resume for this team looking at their last few games of the season where they are now.
2: Well, I think that's a great question and I you know uh, it, it's uh a, it's a, it's a simple answer but they they just have to keep winning. I mean, right now their schedule is is you know, it's opportunity. Uh, they have 5 Q1 uh, quad one opponents left. Uh, all in a row Um, you know going to Purdue is obviously going to be a a very tall task but listen Maryland just lost to Purdue by by one point or one possession so you know I I I feel like this team is in a mindset right now it's attitude it's confidence they they feel they can be anyone at any time anywhere now now that they want at Wisconsin and you know what the reality is they've proven that so I think um the They're going to need to win the next three of the next six, I think. You have to have 12 12 and eight in the Big Ten. I think if you finish 12 and eight, you're probably in the top five, maybe top six in the conference. And I just, you know, with all the, the net rankings and the metrics and all the analytics, I get it. If you're in the top five or six of the Big Ten, I just personally can't think that the NCAA tournament selection committee is going to leave them out. Obviously, winning the game in the Big Ten tournament as well, would just solidify that fact. So I think if they go 12 and eight and win one game of the big 10 tournament, I would be shocked if they didn't make the NCAA tournament, anything less than that, you know, I still think they deserve to get in at 11 and nine. Um, if you go 11 and nine and lose the first game of that big 10 tournament, I think you're certainly at risk to be left out. Um, but it, you know, it, it also depends on the rest of the bubble. The ACC is really bad this year. Um, but, you know, Rutgers fans should root against all the other bubble teams out there um, and, and hope that it's a soft bubble because I think Rutgers has really raised some eyebrows. And, you know, they have some notable wins. No team has ever not made the State tournament with seven quad one wins. Rutgers has five. Michigan is borderline, um, you know, they're at 36 now. They were at 30 the other day. So it's counted. Now it doesn't count. But you go to at Michigan and win that game. They're going to need to win a road game, I think, before uh, the regular season's over. Uh, I think they have a, a shot for sure at Michigan and Indiana. Purdue is a tall task. And if you went out at home, listen, I mean, if they, if they this team has a chance to win 13 games in the Big Ten. Who knows? Um, but I think for this team to just stay in that mindset, if they can do that, I think they'll do enough to get into the NCAA tournament.
1: And thirteen wins in the Big Ten. I mean, that's not that's just not something Rutgers has done like at all, which, you know, it's crazy to think. And uh, you know, I, I think I think it's insane to think that, you know, we're talking about Rutgers winning thirteen games in the Big Ten real maybe not realistically, but it could happen. And even twelve. We haven't gotten to twelve wins. So, you know, great progress from the program. I'm sure you agree, Aaron. But uh, I pre I really appreciate you coming on, Aaron. It's been a lot of fun talking to you about Rutgers basketball. I'm sure they're going to give us more, more stuff to stress about over the last couple weeks of the season. I'm almost certain of that. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate you taking your time uh, to talk, Aaron, and uh, have the good rest of your night.
2: Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. And just remember, as you as you know, rooting for Rutgers basketball is never easy. So expect the roller coaster ride the rest of the way. Cool.